Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Today, I have my mom, Melody, with me. Hi. And we're going to talk about a sentencing hearing that we attended yesterday. This is going to be a raw and unplugged episode. I don't have any outlines. And we're going to delve back into a little bit of social justice and uh, criminal justice here. I'm not going to use any names during this episode. I am hopeful that someday the person that we went to support will be willing to discuss what happened to them and how they're dealing with that. But in the meantime, we're just going to talk about basically our personal experience of what this sentencing hearing is. We're not here to talk about guilt or innocence necessarily. We're not the jury. We weren't there at the trial. A jury did convict this person of five separate felony counts, and there must have been a reason for that. I'm here to just admit that, of course, there are mistakes made in the court system. But in this particular case, and we will get into a little bit of that, it seemed beyond a reasonable doubt that this individual did some heinous things. So that is what we're here to talk about. Yep. So a quick overview of what happened, what the charges and the, the criminal um, the convictions were. Uh, felony rape. Yep. Felony kidnapping. Uh, felony hit and run. Harassing or tampering with a witness. And I can't remember the fifth one. Assault. Assault. So <clears throat> this so this individual had had been convicted of these things and was supposed to be sentenced three weeks ago. Yes. We attended that sentencing hearing to be supportive of the victim in this case, our friend, longtime friend. And uh, it got postponed. Yeah. Because of... A technicality. The technicality, it was interesting because, especially looking back on it after yesterday, it definitely seems like... It was to his detriment. Well, (laughs) we'll talk about that too, but it seems like the family of the defendant knew about it because no one was there. And the lawyer's excuse was, one of the reasons they wanted to postpone was because the date had been changed and the family hadn't been notified. I feel like, just as a suspicion, they might have been notified and knew it wasn't going to happen because no one was there for them. Yeah. And during yesterday, there were people there to support. Yep. So, what you're talking about, as far as being worse for him, is that there is such a thing as a pre-sentencing... Inquiry. Inquiry? Pre-sentencing... PSI is what it was called. Okay. And basically that goes back over all of their criminal history as far as what they've been convicted of. Right. And how their behavior has been in prison. So what's funny about the whole thing is aside from it being a tactic to delay things and also, I mean, because it is a technically, it's a, it's a lot that it's supposed to be done, but that could have been notified long before the day of court. Right. So it felt like a publicity stunt or some kind of a something because the news was there. Well, it wasn't there on the first time. There was, was the news, not the full reporter, but there was a camera guy. There. Oh, there was a camera guy. Yeah, you're right. So this got delayed. So then we had to come back in three weeks. Correct. 
So this time, yesterday we attend, and there were several more people there to support the yeah. same people we were supporting. And then I think there was probably five or six people there, including the defendant's mother and daughter. Correct. Uh, who were there to support the defendant. So would you like to express your thoughts first, or would you like me to just kind of do a breakdown of the overview of, the, of what happened, and then we can talk about it? Oh, I'll go ahead and break it down. <laughs> I have I have my own opinions. <laughs> so ultimately what happens in a sentencing hearing is everyone gets there. The defendant is brought in from jail. He is, you know, during court he was allowed to wear a suit. But at this point, since he's already convicted, he is in his orange, orange jumpsuit. And he does get brought in in handcuffs. And then they get removed during the sentencing hearing. The, the, the prosecutor has a, what well, ended up being about a three to four minute statement about his sentencing recommendations. Then there are victim impact statements allowed. And then the defendant is allowed to have his own victim impact statements, however that's called. And his lawyer does D- Defense impact statements. I don't know what you'd call them for the defense, but then, and the lawyer got to say his piece, which we'll get into. <laughs> and then the defendant got to say his piece. And then at the, after everyone said their piece, the judge then reviews said what, his piece. <laughs> what the law requires and then said his piece and then handed down the sentence. Correct. So that is what happened procedurally yesterday. Yes. So we had known prior, but not in detail, that there had been an instance of the defendant and a young child. Yes. He had been convicted previously of manslaughter. I don't know the details of that case, but it sounds like either he stomped this child to death or kicked her down the stairs or maybe a combination of both that ended in her dying. This was a two-year-old or three-year-old little girl. Little girl. Adorable little girl. Yeah. And she was killed. Well, he was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 25 years. Yes. Well, then after 10 years, there was a law that was overturned in the sentencing procedures, and it had to do with, you said? Unintentional. So if they couldn't prove intent for death, premeditation basically, right? that the manslaughter ruling was that they couldn't serve more than 10 years. Yes, and it went down to involuntary manslaughter. Yes. So he got, a, he got away with less than half of his sentence. Because of this ruling. And it's not the first time this guy's been convicted. There was a prior case of uh, a brutal domestic. I thought that was after the fact. Because that's what they said in court. I thought that was the very first one. And then the child died. And then I think there was another one. Well, there was two instances of this girlfriend and domestic violence. And her, her getting beaten bloody. Okay. Well, maybe this was the same one. And I believe it was the mother of the child. Mm. So... Regardless of the order, yeah, he came out of that and, you know, he could have seen that as a, I just got off with half of what I was supposed to. Let's turn my life around. Right. And it sounded like he got out and then had another domestic violence situation. Right. Before what this court proceeding was for. Right. So... On this particular... So after that, so, so the, the prosecutor is saying, hey... Here's what he's been convicted for prior, which means there's a certain point system 
about how they are able to uh, hand out a sentence. Correct. So because he had a prior felony, it added or subtracted or however they did that points to the felonies that he now has, the five yeah, new felonies. Yeah, I'm not completely sure how the points work. I don't really either. I, it's kind of confusing. It was confusing, but it had something to do with it. So yeah. he, he reviews this, and then he says, you know, the prosecutor, of course, is saying, we definitely recommend the highest end of the sentence because there's a range of sentencing uh Basically, it's the mandatory sentencing laws. So each conviction that he got of the five convictions has their own sentencing law, and there's a minimum and a maximum. So the prosecutor was asking for the maximum on each of the counts. Correct. And I think part of the contention of the family, as we were listening in the hallway, was that they felt like he was being double jeopardied, that he that they were trying to go after him harder than they would have for just this rape. Because he had gotten off, quote unquote, uh, or gotten off early for the manslaughter charge. Yeah. So the victim impact statements, there were a few letters that had been handed to the judge privately. Yeah. Then the son of the victim made a statement about how it's been terribly difficult. Um, Very, very short version is the individual was... um, passed out via either being drugged, which I think was more likely, or extremely intoxicated, but regardless, was completely passed out, then molested, then driven by a drunk driver who was the defendant who crashed the car, causing the defendant to hit the windshield and have a stroke. That was, we'll get into that later, but whether or not that was contested. Then taken home to the defendant's house, raped while unconscious, and having a bleed in the brain, and then um, not given medical help after the fact. So um, the person ended up walking to the neighbors, very disoriented, unable to talk, unable to even communicate, and taken to the hospital, and that's how they got help. So th- that's the very short version of what what he was convicted of. Yeah. On top of continuing to try to contact her after the fact. and Right. And that's where the witness tampering came right, in. Right, right. So, uh, so the victim's son made a statement about how, you know, it's been financial hardship. They've had to move. They've had, she hasn't been able to work because of the stroke. And uh, how it's been very emotionally different. You know, aside from psycho- psychological pain and PTSD, she's also had these cognitive impairments that she hasn't been able to uh, work. And then the victim got up and made a statement that was impactful. Um, I won't review that because that's her private statement. And if she wants to, she can review that if we talk someday. Uh, but the final note on her statement was, I forgive you and I forgive you so that I don't have to carry around those emotions. So, so after her statement, then I believe daughter the, the family uh of the defendant the, the defendant was asked if he had anything to say and the lawyer said that there was oh let me back up for a second so the victim mentioned the previous situation with the with the little girl that yes. he had killed and they tried to object and, and they couldn't because the, the judge said this is basically an allocution 
uh, victim impact statement can they can say whatever they want and you, about anything they want you can rebut later but they can they have the freedom to say what they want so she was able to express that she found out about this after the fact and was very sad about it <clears throat> so then the victim's daughter no i'm sorry the defendant's daughter got up and i have a lot of empathy for her i feel me too just awful because clearly she believes her father is innocent. And she even said in her statement, if I didn't wholeheartedly believe that you didn't do this, I wouldn't be standing here. Um, there was some indicators that something else had gone on in her life that wasn't great. Yeah. Um, but ultimately she was just, you know, terribly sad that she wasn't going to have her dad uh, directly in her life, at least not without being behind bars. For several years, and so... Well, we she, don't know how old she was when he was put away the first time for 10 years. Right. I mean, she's saying all of this happened before she was able to drink, so in theory, it's been since she was fairly young. Yeah. And then there was some years in between, and then there was a couple years right. since he was arrested. So she had to be in her single-digit numbers, I would think, the first time he was put away. Probably, yeah. And I can imagine a scenario where... Someone that's good at manipulating and has their own issues because, you know, this is the social work side of me coming out. But he didn't become the quote unquote monster that I of the things that he did overnight. This is, you know, likely some kind of situation that he didn't have a great childhood either. Not that it's an excuse for behavior, but it's, you know, some reason to have compassion for a human being. Well, at some point he had choices. Oh, yeah. I definitely agree with that. And he didn't take those choices. You know, he didn't, he didn't decide to be a good guy. He decided yeah. to continue to be who he was. Mm -hmm. I mean, and during the, during the sentencing, and even the, the first one, even when it got delayed for three weeks, he showed no remorse. Mm -hmm. it, nothing. He had no emotion on his face except for anger. And being indignant. And, yeah, he was totally indignant. He, he just... Constantly shaking his head, throwing his arms up, like, acting was, like everyone was lying on him. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, pretty much everybody in jail says they're innocent, whether they are or not. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of innocent people in jail. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but people like that are manipulators, and they can convince their family that by crying... Mm-hmm begging you know me i would never do something like this i'm not that kind of person and well, i'm and sure the same thing happened about the child of course and beating the woman she hit me first mm -hmm. blah 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 she set me up yeah the yeah. blame is always on the other side never right. you don't and he didn't seem like he was about to take any responsibility for anything he had done even if it had been proven in black and white. <laughs> Which it was, but we'll talk even about that film, later. <laughs> but come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I still feel terrible for her because clearly she believes that he was set up and that this is unfair and that she's not going to have her father around to walk her down the aisle and do all these other things. And it's like, I get it. You know, she's angry because she really truly believes that he was set up. Yeah. I don't know if she saw any of the evidence 
how she could believe that. Well, she was only there for one day of the trial, so I'm sure she did not see the video, the video, or half the evidence that was right. Presented. And and if all she's hearing is the lawyer and him and his mother, and well, his mother was next to speak, and she was really vicious towards angry towards the victim. Yeah, which again. I can kind of get if you really, truly believed that your son was going to jail for 25 years, which we didn't talk about the sentence yet, but (laughs) if you really believed he was going to jail for something that he didn't do, you would be upset. But to take it out on the victim, I mean, even if you're mad at the prosecutor saying that they used her to get back at him for not serving all of his time for the child, it just felt very vicious. And she was an angry, angry, angry woman. She was. And I, you could kind of see that maybe part of that was how he was raised. Yeah. And and the judge even had to tell her, you're talking to me. You're not talking to the court. Because she the did rest, turn. The rest of the gallery. Yeah. She turned to face the victim. Yeah. Both the daughter and the mother, although the daughter was much more articulate and right in her feelings about she. She did address the victim, but not in the same way. Right. So then the lawyer, the defense lawyer. God. So (laughs) I have to tell you that the victim is a person of color Mm -hmm. and the defendant is a person of color. And the lawyer, the defense lawyer is a person of color. I... I'm here to just straight up admit that absolutely there are discrepancies in the criminal justice system for people of color. They are disproportionately jailed, disproportionately sentenced incorrectly or too harshly compared to their white counterparts. Yep. Very much in agreement of that. This case, both of them were people of color and the lawyer was trying to use his platform while the cameras were there, it felt like. Yeah, because he put on a show. To grandstand. I mean, it really felt like, an not even a law and order, the no. judges get that, or the lawyers get that excitable. It was more like watching a lawyer on Maury Povich or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was pretty pathetic, I must say. I, there was no reason for that. He he didn't need to pound the counter. He didn't need to raise his voice. It was very theatrical. It was very unnecessarily theatrical. It. I don't know what his point was. I don't get it. Uh, he was. It was a show. It was a show, and and it was only a show because the camera, the TV cameras, were there. I mean, I don't know if he would have tried to do it otherwise, but yeah, it sounded like from the other people there that during the entire trial he was making everything as difficult as possible through yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, he wouldn't call people back. He would delay things as long as possible all through the trial. Uh, the judge had to admonish him several times during the trial to stop delaying or provide things or whatnot. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but we weren't there for the trial. So I don't know about all those yeah. things firsthand. But he now was, I kind of wish I was there for the trial because, <laughs> you know, no, I think I just would have been upset <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah. But he was kind of stomping around and pointing his hands all around and yelling you know basically i want my client to know that all the hours i spent with you i believe you and this is ridiculous and this trial was biased and completely unprofessional and now how on and on and on is saying this very calmly compared to what the lawyer said yes 
the yes. way he said it. He raised his voice. I mean, he, he tried to boom his voice. It was very theatrical. It was very, very theatrical. It was like he was on a literal stage. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I thought it was ridiculous. And he went on for like 10 minutes. Yeah. He was accusing the prosecutor of of coaching witnesses. He was accusing them of using false evidence. And he never coached a witness. Uh, it was just, I mean, I, I can't believe the prosecutor was able to just, because they were all standing up in front of he the judge. He was so calm. The prosecutor just stood there. Yeah. He just looked at him and didn't make any facial expression. He was very calm. I was very impressed by the prosecution because if it was me, I would have wanted to bitch slap him from here to New York. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that that was uncalled for. And I'm surprised the judge let it go on, really. Well, he... The judge the, looked like he wanted to laugh, but... The judge... Well, I don't think he wanted to laugh. But no. to be fair to the judge, he was a great judge. He was. He allowed for all the proceedings, and he allowed for the space for everyone to have what they needed to say yeah. said. If he would have come down on the lawyer or the other oh, guy, yeah. it would have seemed, um, you know, biased. Yeah. Uh, so then the lawyer got done with his grandstanding and then the defendant got to make his pleas oh, and he starts out immediately with the victim is a liar. Yeah. And we never got to hear all of this other evidence and blah, blah, blah. Well, evidence works both ways. They may not have heard that she was drinking in excess or that if, if it was even true, if she had her own alcohol, it's irrelevant to what happened, but they also didn't get to, the jury didn't get to hear that you stomped a two-year-old to death. So you don't just get to only have the evidence that helps you yeah. know that all that evidence that wasn't submitted also wasn't submitted against you. Yeah. So that was kind of a bullshit argument. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, well, there was video evidence and somehow he tried to dispute it. I mean... Well, he didn't, he didn't really talk about that. What he was talking about was you could, he's saying, I talked to a bunch of doctors and that kind of stroke that she had couldn't possibly have happened, which isn't true. Couldn't possibly have happened in the way that they said it. And there was no evidence in the car and this and this and this and disputing every other thing except for the actual facts of what he did. And so he gets done with his whole thing. And by the way, during the entire rest of the testimony, including three weeks ago and during this, uh, again, constantly shaking his head, constantly throwing his arms around, like, how are you getting away with saying this? Just totally disgusted at the whole thing. Like, And the judge was completely calm and watching both of them, watching the speaker and watching how he was reacting. Yep. So we'll get to the crux of everything. During this whole thing, the whole audience is like trying to keep their cool, but just ridiculous things were being said. Yeah. And you could that hear, we could hear. <laughs> little comments from the audience was like, bullshit. <laughs> you know, like everybody's trying to keep their calm, but it was just, it was very heightened. It was much more, I knew it would be emotional because of the victim impact statements, but I didn't expect the theatrics. Yeah. And I didn't expect them to be basically fighting an appeal during a sentencing yeah. hearing. That was weird. So, um, then the judge gets to have his say. Now, you know, I love maybe, this judge. Maybe because I watched too much Law and Order. I thought he would go in the back room and take a minute, but no. No. He then says, okay, I've heard what you've said. I've heard the defendant said. I've heard your lawyer. I've heard all of your statements. I also went back and reviewed Exhibit 4. Would you like to explain Exhibit 4? 
Exhibit four was a surveillance video. There was a sub surveillance camera outside of, I don't remember the where. Bar yeah, the bar, it wherever it was, there was a surveillance camera. And in that surveillance camera, it showed her in the car like a noodle. Completely, completely unconscious. unconscious. Flopping around, fell behind him. He was trying to plop her up, prop her up. She couldn't even hold her head up. She was just totally comatose, basically. And uh, he was molesting her. Yeah. Right there in the truck, trying to rape her. Yeah. And uh, totally... Yeah. Just didn't care. Didn't care. She was just an object and not even a human being. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was, well, he said he was drunk too, but that's no excuse. He didn't get her help. He didn't anything. And then he crashed his car. Didn't get her help. Took her up to his apartment or his wherever. Didn't get her help. Left her there all night. Well, raped her. Raped her. (laughs) Left her there all night. Couldn't find her clothes in the morning. Thank God she woke up because she could have died yeah. in her sleep. She could have just been dead. Then what would he have done? Yeah. It would have it wouldn't have been his fault, you know. <laughs> and so, yes, I was very impressed by the judge. He says, You cannot dispute that evidence. It's right there in the video. You can see it as plain as day. Yeah, I love that he he addresses the fact that there are many things in this case you could dispute if you want to. But the thing you can't dispute is the video evidence that clearly shows you are molesting a woman that is unconscious. Yes, you didn't try to get her help. Yeah. You didn't take her to the hospital. You didn't try to get her friend to come and get her. You didn't take her home. And he definitely was saying, you know, he reviewed the new statute, not that it should have mattered that it was new or not. Right. But reviewed the new statute of consent. Right. Which was great. And then he says, you know, if what you say is true and she came out of the bar and was drunk and fell down and hit her face, what you don't do is this, this, and this. What you do is get her help. What you do is get her home. What you do is call a friend. What you don't do is take her in the truck and molest her. What you don't do is get in the car and drive with her. What you don't do is have sex with her. She's unconscious. So it was pretty great. He wasn't shaking his head then. No, no. <laughs> because it's video evidence. And I, and I just wonder if the daughter and mother really hadn't been, if they hadn't been at the trial to hear it because it was too painful. Quote right. Or they didn't want to hear it. Because there was no sound after that from them. No, nothing. And that could have been a reality check. I don't know. Yeah. But it could have been like, or they could have been like, oh, you know, this is just more bullshit. Well, they weren't, the the mother and child weren't saying that none of it happened. They were saying he did not rape her. That was the thing. Because he will now be a registered sex offender. Yes. And he does have a permanent no contact order as well. Right. And so that's, I think, what they were trying to avoid. Maybe. That they didn't want him to be a sex offender, a registered sex offender, which makes it twice as bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Personally, I think he should be castrated, but, you know, that's against the law. (laughs) I'm sorry, but, yeah, you know. It was difficult. It was difficult to listen to. Uh, I was going into it expecting it to be difficult, but again, those the theatrics really. Yeah, 
The only person I was empathetic to was the daughter. I didn't, the mother, she didn't impress me. She was angry when she walked up. She had a sour look on her face out in the hallway when I saw her. She had no, she wasn't hurt. She wasn't sad that it was her son. She had no expression of any kind of mother, well, what I consider a motherly expression, like a worried expression, a caring expression. Mm -hmm. She was just angry. Mm-hmm. Like, that's her natural state. Now, I don't know if that's true because yeah. I don't know her. Yeah. Uh, I saw the daughter in the hallway. She did not look like that. She no, looked, she had looked a very emotional sad, sad, emotional look on her face. Yeah. A caring look on her face. Like, okay, this child is going to be, has been lied to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, of course, everybody, you want your father to be innocent. Yeah, you don't want to believe that your loved one would do that. It's, Ted Bundy's mom didn't want to believe that he killed all those yeah. women. Yeah, or, or the Green River Killer. I mean, his kids were devastated. They had no idea. Of course, his wife didn't either, but they kind of accepted the fact after he was convicted. But this child but had no But most of those clue. people at least have empathy for the victims of the people. Yes, nobody had. Even if they still have love for their loved one that did these terrible things, they have empathy for the victims. Right. And this did not happen. They had none. No empathy for anybody. Yeah. I mean, I understand the child, the daughter. She's not exactly a child. She's probably late, 20. Late teens. Yeah. Um, uh, she Now, talk about somebody that's probably been coached is her. Because all she knows is what she's been told. And part of that's what the lawyers told them. And if it was right. all the, I mean, we could hear in whispers in the hallway before the trial, some of the stuff that the lawyer had been telling them. And what the mother was telling the daughter. Right. So that part's sad. I mean, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody's child. Yeah. You know, that's a horrific thing. And girls, you know, they're more susceptible, especially to their fathers. Because they put their fathers on a pedestal. Fathers are... Are everything to a daughter, mm -hmm. especially if the father has spoiled the daughter, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I mean, if he's her little princess. You well, know. and one of the things I want to mention too is one of the stories that she recalled was his reaction to a, a person experiencing homelessness and how he reacted to that. Now, even if that was a true story, the fact of the matter is people are not all one way you can have good behaviors and still do terrible things yeah yeah that we're complicated we're not just one unilateral way we're not either good or bad yeah you know i mean i hate to go back look to at dexter <laughs> that's a fictional i mean character. i know it's a fictional character <laughs> but it's the same premise well I hate, this is my point i hate to go back to the tent bendy example but he was great with his girlfriend's daughter yeah Great with his girlfriend. Yeah. Never hurt her. Nope. And yet went off and did all these terrible, monstrous things. And she had no clue. You don't have to just be one way, especially when you're a great manipulator. You can yeah. absolutely do great things and at the same time do absolutely horrible things. Yep. So those two things are not mutually exclusive. I just want to throw that out there because I think it's difficult for people to really accept that their loved one did a terrible right. thing. Especially when you, if you don't know that side of them. Right. I mean, they can be the greatest humanitarian in the world. Mm -hmm. And there's been a few out there that are also psychos. Yeah. 
and their family and their friends and their surroundings, their work environment, their bosses have no clue. I mean, how many times have we heard that on the news from neighbors? Yeah. They were the nicest, quietest person. I can't believe it happened. Yeah, yeah. That, that same thing happened with, uh, what's the guy that was a clown? John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Nicest guy. Everybody, and he was the same way. None of this was my fault. Someone set me up. Everybody had a key to my house. It couldn't possibly have been me that buried all those kids under my floorboards. <laughs> yeah. You know, same. It's, People couldn't believe it because yeah. the way that they knew him was not that way. Exactly. But there's, you, you there's weren't two the sides to everybody. You know, <laughs> I mean, there, you can be the most meek, mild-mannered person in the world and then be a vicious killer. Yeah. So it's it's absolutely plausible that someone could be a good father and also a rapist. Right. And I know that people don't want to believe that's possible. People don't want to believe that you can be such a, you know, bad decision maker or monster inside and, and still be a decent human in, in another part of your life. But it is possible because it happens all the time. Yeah. It's just hard for us to accept and understand. Yeah. So I, I don't know what else to say about this. <laughs> yeah. It was the, I think the part that got to me the most about the trial was not only the defense attorney who was a freaking joke. I'm sorry. I, w I just can't believe him. But it's the defendant. He, his look, his demeanor, the way he carried himself. At first, when he first walked in, he looked like he was going to have this little sad puppy dog look on his face. But that demeanor changed. Yeah, very quickly. And he did not have that look the whole time. I mean, he felt, he seemed disgusted, like it was okay to do what he did. So what? She was asking for it. No, she did not. Mm -hmm. She couldn't have. Yeah. I mean, you know, how do you when you're <laughs> unconscious? Yeah. You know? Really hard to consent when you're unconscious. Yeah. And that, that wasn't a he said. She, I mean, thank God there was video evidence. Yeah. Because if there hadn't been, this would not have been a shit. Shit. Clear cut case. Shutting. I can't even say. <laughs> open and closed. I'm so overwhelmed by this. Yeah, it wouldn't have been an open and closed case as much as it was. Yeah. And and the jury still took a while to come back with an answer, but right. I think it was some of the other counts. You know, they had video during the trial of her the day she went to the hospital and couldn't speak. Yeah. I think that said volumes too. She had to learn to speak again. Yeah. She couldn't remember, as she said, words like car. Now she has a short-term memory. Yeah, she does. And uh, and she's still she, going through physical therapy. Yes, and she she's also lost some of her long-term memory. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very sad. She's a very loving, caring human being, and none of this should have ever happened to her. It, it doesn't matter if she was falling ass down drunk. No. It doesn't matter. It should not have happened. And honestly, it, <laughs> you know, the argument was that he, he argued that he didn't cause a stroke by the car accident. Even if that's true, as you're saying it, you're trying to blame it on the fall that she had coming out of the restaurant, which means she would have had the stroke before you got in the car, which means it's even worse for you. <laughs> so well, I'm not sure where that thinking is coming from. Even if, even if well, you're trying to argue that she had a stroke after the fact, even if you're arguing that the stroke didn't happen until after you had sex with an unconscious person. Well, it sounds like he was justifying saying he could do this because she was unconscious and he had permission. I mean, it was okay. Yeah. 
Well, he didn't say the such words. But no, yeah. but that's, you know. Well, yeah, there was no acceptance of, yes, I had sex with someone that was unconscious. I molested someone unconscious that was clearly unconscious by the video. Even if he didn't have sex with her, it was on the video that he clearly molested her. Yes. Period. And he was not taking responsibility for any of that. No, no. <clears throat> All right. Are we done? I need to get over this anger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But hopefully the victim is going to recover. I was very proud of her yesterday. She was very brave. And the the grandmother and, of the two-year-old was there to support yes, her. Yes, And she was also just in tears because he is going back to jail and she feels like it's a little bit more justice for her granddaughter. Yeah. Um, I think it's twofold emotional because he got the same sentence that he got off on. But... He can also get a longer sentence. Yeah. The the sentence that he got was 304 was months. the maximum the judge could give him. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny is that the minimum was still like 280 something. So it's not like he was going anywhere. Yeah. But they really were strongly arguing that he needs the minimum. It's like, but that's only like 20 months less, which in a 20 something year sentence isn't that much. But regardless. Well, time served too. Well, yeah, but he hasn't been in jail that long. Oh, time right. served for this conviction right. so uh yeah so he got 304 months which is roughly 25.3 years and that is as the judge said the minimum sentence and it also has two of the counts that he got convicted on were indeterminate right because so he, he could can end start, up to be a life sentence right he could start asking for parole in 25 years right now obviously they're going to try to appeal this mm -hmm. i can't imagine a scenario where that video is in evidence and anything gets appealed but you never know you know so i've got to hope for her sake that she's able to move they're on. gonna go look at her head it was flopping yes i'm sorry but you know if they want to manipulate somebody, say, look, her head was flopping, yes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's it's upsetting. But I'm mm -hmm. glad for now it's over for her. Yeah. It's over for her son. Yeah. It's over for the grandmother. Yeah. Everybody can kind of pick the pieces back up. And and the judge made a great point too to the defendant, which was you now have a choice. You're going to jail for a long time. You can choose to just do nothing and serve your time, or you can be a force for good and positive in your family's life. No, well, I think he had that choice before. Well, he did, but I love that the judge reiterates, like, just yes. because you're going to jail doesn't mean you can't still try to do good and make something good out of this. But now he's really mad because he's a registered sex offender. It's not just a, a case of yeah. assault. I mean, he is going to be a registered sex offender, and I think that was their main bone of contention. I didn't even get that. You thought that? Oh, yeah. Okay. They did not want him to be a registered sex offender. That's Is why, that the why they rape... kept saying he didn't rape her? Yes. That's yeah. why the rape was such a big deal because they did not want him to become a registered sex offender. Yeah. Well, don't rape unconscious people. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad, so sad. You know, you could have made your life better the first time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, think about your choices and... Think about the consequences of your actions because... Everybody makes choices. Not holding some... You know, rape doesn't have to be holding someone down and forcing yourself on them. There's a lot of different versions of rape. And I didn't think this was a problem or I thought it was okay is not a fucking excuse for rape. Yeah. People out there, start teaching your children now what consent is. Yeah. 
There's no excuse for it. I saw, well, I hate to use the word comic because it's not funny, but someone posted a picture of, and this is not related to this case, but it's about the abortion issue, but it's similar because it doesn't give leniency to rape victims. Right. Incest or rape. Incest or rape, but the it was the... It was the um, representation of justice, the female, with her eyes blinded. And she was being held down by Republican arms. <laughs> now, obviously, that's extreme. But, you know, their whole point this week is, and this isn't what this episode really is about, but their whole point is to bring this to the Supreme Court. And the fact is that every single one of these states that's brought this up has not had an exception for rape or incest. Which is infuriating. We're not going there. We're not going to talk about this, but I don't remember why I brought it up. <laughs> I had to do something with the permission of rape. Yeah. Oh, yes. So let's not do that. Let's not rape people. No. Let's try to be good to one another. Men or women. Both. Absolutely. Men get raped too. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. So no raping. If, you know. Think about the consequences of your actions. Or if you would want somebody to do that to you, or your daughter, mm -hmm. or your son. Exactly. You know, would you? how would you feel if that happened to your daughter or your son? Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, and if your loved one gets convicted of something, you still have life left to talk to them about it. They're, you know, unless the victim is deceased and, you know, you can't do anything about that, but... Regardless, we all have, as far as we all know, one life to live. Are you going to spend it, whatever happens to you, are you going to spend it angry? Are you going to try to make the best out of what you have? Yeah. Now she's got PTSD. Yeah, of course. And probably so does the daughter. So Yeah, the family, everybody does. Yeah, it's, it's it, bad for everyone. This it is. one bad decision night with a series of bad decisions cost the, both families trauma. And the sad part, he was a business owner. Yeah. I mean, he could have done good. He could have. But he chose not to. He chose not to. So, all right. So choose wisely, because someday we'll all be dead. <laughs>